Hey everybody, I'm trying to get the episode of the podcast up, but Arden is FaceTiming with her friend. So instead of me, Arden's friend, Joella, is going to handle this. Joella, can you please say episode 44 of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Insulate? Episode 44 of the Juicebox podcast is... Sponsored by Insulate? Is sponsored by Insulate. The makers of the world's only tubeless insulin pump. The makers of the world's own, own only tubeless insulin pump. Only tubeless insulin pump. Thank you, Joel. I'll say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Harden, do you want to say anything? Hello from the other side. All right. I must have right, Get away. Get away. I promise this episode will be better than this. By the way, I blame, and you should blame too, the person who does this Miranda Sings thing for children my daughter's age believing that making that voice is comedy. All right, peoples. And away we go. I don't hear the rain. Please always remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast is intended as advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your plans. Bethany? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Are you Bethany or Beth? Usually Bethany, but yeah, yeah. I get all sorts of names, so whatever, whatever floats your boat. I, I prefer to go with the one that you enjoy. Bethany is fine. Excellent. How are you this morning? I'm a little tired, but good. <laughs> you are my earliest podcast ever. Oh, well. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, um, we'll jump right into it. I just wanted to let you know that at some point my wife is getting a late start today. Okay. So, um, between heavy, uh, big, she's a big shoes girl, and we have wood floors. Um, nice. So, there might be a couple of minutes where I say to you, Bethany, you can go get a drink if you want. We'll come <laughs> back in a couple of minutes while Kelly clomps around. Oh, that's fine. Okay. I have two clomping children upstairs, so yeah, I, I, I hear you. We'll be good. Um, okay, so I'm kind of really excited to talk to you. And I know you're a, probably a little like, I don't even understand why we're doing this, but. Yeah. <laughs> You've, you've, you've got a great story to share with people, even if you don't know it. So uh, take a second, introduce yourself, uh, kind of you know, let people know how you're connected with diabetes, and then we're going to jump right in. Welcome to episode 44 of the Juicebox podcast. This episode is called Getting Off the Diabetes Roller Coaster. It's a conversation with Bethany. She is a D-mom whose son, Will, was diagnosed just one year ago. I met Bethany online when she was reaching out to the diabetes community, um, looking for help controlling her son's peaks and valleys with his blood sugars. And she and I ended up speaking on the phone privately. And this is the story of what happened that night on the phone and, and what's happened since. I urge you to go back to the blog post at juiceboxpodcast.com to get a look at Will's graphs before and after we spoke. Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode. My son is Will. And he's four years old. Um, he was diagnosed almost exactly a year ago. We're about four days away from D-Day. So it's been a whirlwind of a year. But um, most of the things we started noticing were back last um, September in 2014. 
he started getting kind of wild. He goes to preschool, and the teachers there were having trouble with him. Just at nap time, he would loud and crazy, and then she would take him to her office, and he would try to run away, and he just sort of got out of control. So those are never the fun phone calls to get from school, especially as a teacher. It's kind of embarrassing. So this is a couple of months before you figured out the type yeah, one diagnosis. Yeah, September. And he's yeah. he's really like running off away from teachers and doing like yeah. all kinds of yeah. crazy stuff. He, like the teacher would be walking from one place to the other and he would just run away. And she has a whole class of kids, so she couldn't follow him. And <laughs> he was just totally out of control. Where, where did that lead you first? Did well, you just think you had like a, like you, you lost the lottery on kids who behave? I, or? <laughs> I was hoping that my husband has is notorious for being sort of a wild child. So I was like, oh, it's his fault. You know, mm-hmm. it's not me. It's just, <laughs> yeah, he's just crazy. But he hadn't been like that at all before. So something seemed a little off to me. Um, I thought maybe it was something with food because he just had some other stomach issues. And so I thought maybe it was gluten. So okay. we tried taking him off of that. And that helped a little bit with his stomach stuff. But it wasn't really helping his behaviors at all. So, I mean, I was just at a loss. I didn't really know what I tried different things. We tried rewards, you know, okay, if you take your nap today, you'll get to watch a show tonight or, you know, little Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but it was, it was so unlike him that I knew something was, but you know, he was three. I was like, well, maybe it's just his toddler phase and we'll just, get through it and yeah right it feels like it doesn't feel in any way like it's something odd and 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 you have other kids right i do well we have um another son he just turned two so he was like a baby at the time pulling up the rear yeah okay yeah so he we actually on my younger son's first birthday then um he his birthday is the end of november so he just turned two but Mm -hmm. On his first birthday, I feel like was sort of the trigger point where his body finally was like, okay, my pancreas is just done. And he, that's when we started seeing him drinking a lot. And at school, when he was taking his nap, lack thereof, he would, I mean, he would wake up crying and be like, I need water, I need water. And so the teachers at school even were a little well, is this normal or like, and so. No, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's not a, I mean, being thirsty is a, a fine reaction to, right. but, but yeah, like literally being thirsty to the point where you're crying is right. Yeah. Obviously more than that. And at first I thought again, three, it's just some bad habit. I just need to break it. And he started wetting through his diapers at night, which I mean, I would put him in a diaper and two hours later I would have to change it. Mm-hmm. And we were washing his sheets every night. It was Oh, it's a pain. So, of course, it's right before Thanksgiving. So we went to uh, my in-laws for Thanksgiving. And every night we had to wash his sleeping bag because he would wet through. And he didn't, that was really the main symptom we noticed was just the excessive drinking and wetting out of his diaper. And um, did that seem to correlate with something to you? Was there, because I know for me it uh, that there was a changeover, like Arden switched from bottles to... Um, just drinking, you know, from a regular cup. And I just thought she was drinking more because of the, the big change. 
But yeah, I I don't think so. I didn't notice. I mean, we didn't really change much as far as that goes. It it was just sort of out of the blue. Mm-hmm. So I didn't necessarily think it was something like that. I just thought it was just a bad habit he was going through. And okay. So when we were up there for Thanksgiving, um, I you know of course I'm googling everything. Oh, excessive thirst. What is this? You know. So everything kept coming up saying type one. I'm like, well, it's not that because we're healthy and no one has that in my family. And I know it can't be that. And when we got home, I'm sort of the type that, you know, I only go to the doctor if I absolutely, absolutely have to. And so we kind of put it off. And on Monday when we got home, I finally was, I told my husband, we probably should just call and get him checked and see what's going on. So I called the doctor, and they had an appointment the next day, but it was not convenient for my schedule, which I still feel really bad about. Mm-hmm. And they had another appointment Friday, so I was like, oh, we'll just wait. So we went in, and um, and that morning, we just noticed he was just very pale, and he looked skinny, like his ribs. He's not a small boy. Right. He's gigantic. And so you're and, starting to see a change in his body yeah, at this point, yeah. Yeah, are. Yeah, and he just looked just looked sick. Just did not get at all. Um, so I took him into the doctor, and they tested his urine and they took a blood sample. And the lady sitting there, I will never forget this. She's sitting there with um, she had his finger. She's checking it and she's looking at her machine and she's just sitting there and sitting there and nothing's happening. And it it felt so long to me, which I'm sure it actually wasn't. But she just kept sitting there and sitting there and nothing was happening. And I'm going, what's going on? And finally, she just says, I'll be right back. And she just left. And I'm thinking, oh, their machine is broken. You know, nothing, nothing's wrong with my child. It's their machine. And we actually had an appointment with the nurse practitioner. So he came in and he looked very panicked and distraught. And he said, it It looks like it might be type 1 diabetes. His sugar is so high, we can't read it on our machine. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go get the doctor. And he just left. And we're like, whoa, what? <laughs> and I think I still at that point was sort of in denial. Just Yeah, sure. Um, you know, oh, it's maybe it's just something he ate. Or I don't. It's going to end just, up being something different than this. Right, right, right. Again, I was like, oh, it's just a habit. It's just some habit he has. It's drinking. Um, so, um, the doctor came in and he was much calmer and made us feel a little better. Um, but you know, sent us to the hospital. Um, it was about an hour drive. We stopped at home real quick to grab some stuff. No, they told us to go straight there, but you know, I'm sort of (laughs) the type that, oh, it'll be fine. We just need a couple minutes to grab a few things. Um, so we went down there, um, at the hospital is, blood glucose was 647 um which actually isn't super high i mean it's high but not that bad his a1c was um 9.1 i think okay and so it it wasn't horrible really um yeah it sounds like you you found it in the in those first couple months right yeah they said it was obviously brought him in and that we had caught it pretty early bye kelly she Kelly by the way, Bethany, Kelly just put her makeup on and she even 
she waited to come downstairs. But thank you, Callie. She put her shoes on. She was very quiet. And she oh, seems sweet. a little irritated. She's not what I would call a morning person. She's glaring yeah. at me now. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so so you, it sounds like you guys did catch it in the first couple of months, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so when you leave the hospital, it's only a year ago. It's 2014. So yeah. do you leave with... Um, the idea that there's going to be an insulin pump soon or glucose monitors, or is that something you figured out when you got out into the world or, or what did the hospital, what did the hospital give you out the door? They gave us syringes, Humalog and Lantus, and they said we cannot get a pump for a year as, um, we need to understand the disease and make sure we like, get everything. Mm-hmm. They never, I don't think they ever mentioned a monitor i i don't remember hearing anything about that they gave us the two-hour spiel of here's this and this and this all right good luck and (laughs) i i was like really you want me to inject my child i i don't have any education in this i have no idea how to do this so 24 hours ago i was the person who was like let's stop at home and get a pair of sweatpants (laughs) and and so let me let me kind of ask you this real quickly because it made me wonder when you said this it's been a year and you said prior to and i don't know how old you are i'm sorry would you are you comfortable saying yeah i'm um i'm you cut out, but did you do that on purpose while you were saying your age? <laughs> no, I'm I'm 31. Okay, so you're 31, and and I I can completely relate with you. Like I was prior to diabetes, like I was definitely the kind of person that if I got up on a December morning and it was in any way not freezing outside, if it was the weatherman was like, hey, it's going to be 50 degrees today. I would like put my kids in the car and be like, let's go to the zoo, you know, like, like throw away all my plans and just like, like do something else. And so are you still that person or has this changed you in any way? Or are you trying to find a balance still? I think for the first months I was kind of scared to go anywhere. Um, We did, it happened right around the holidays. So we did go um, up to my in-laws for Christmas and I had so much stuff with me because, you know, just in case I, we went up there, but we didn't do much else. We were supposed to go um, over to Ohio to see my family, but we didn't do that. It was just too much. It seemed and like too much. I, I think the thing I was most worried about, honestly, was other people getting him sick. Okay. So I, cause the doctor sort of said, um, you know, he, his immune system is down. If he gets sick, it's really bad. Uh, yeah. So I was a little scared to have him around anyone. Did it almost feel like a newborn? Like that? I did. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, let's wait till he's had diabetes for a little while right. and he's bounced back before we. I listen. Right. Every holiday when someone invites you to their house, it's about my third thought. I'm like, oh, they're going to be sick. Uh, I know they're going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. No, I, I completely get that. So I think that, yeah, that that's probably scary. Most, but I yeah. I think now things are mostly back to normal. Like it's it's a little easier to go places, but I think the people that I leave him with, um, that still makes me a little nervous. I have, you know, a set number of people that know what to do. And sure. beyond that, I kind of feel like a prisoner because we can't do much because we can't just grab a babysitter and go. Yeah, yeah, the the 
the well-meaning 15-year-old girl down the yeah. street who's going to talk to her boyfriend on Snapchat and just make yeah. sure her house doesn't burn down, doesn't work anymore. <laughs> um, okay, so all right. So when did you, in this past year, figure out you were going to get an insulin pump? Because it sounds like you did it on your own without the doc. doctor. told you a year. If you listened to the doctor, you'd just be getting one now. So how did you come to that idea? Well... I, I am a teacher. I teach elementary school, and I've had several students who have gotten pumps, and I teach fifth grade. I've mm -hmm. had two students that have gotten them. So I sort of thought that's when you were supposed to get it. Like when you turned 10 or 11, that's when you get it. Um, so when they said a year, I was surprised they could get them that young. Right. Um, so right away, I was like, well, that's way better than injecting in with all these needles. Yeah, we're going to do that. And she said a year. So um, that was the nurse practitioner. and. After about nine months, I had an appointment with a different doctor, mm -hmm. and I said, I would like to get on a pump. And she's like, okay, I'll sign you up for a pump class. I was like, oh, that's easy. I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of it depended on who I met with, because I think the other lady would have been a little more hesitant. Um, I think they also saw that, okay, we understand this. Like, we know what we're doing. And we don't need to... Wait, Wait three more months. Nothing. We're not going to learn anything different in the next three months that we don't already know. So, it, isn't it funny how arbitrary some of the things we think are? Like the the nurse practitioner tells you a diagnosis. It takes a year, as if exactly <laughs> twelve months is some magic like number. Right. And you, being a fifth grade teacher and only seeing kids with diabetes when they're in fifth grade, were like, "Oh, people get insulin yeah. pumps when they're in fifth grade." <laughs> yep. That's kind of what I thought. But like, that's, oh, that's. But see, that's. I oddly reasonable because it's something you wouldn't really, there's no real reason to think it through unless you're living with diabetes. Like you'd just be like, wow, every kid I see getting an insulin pump is in fifth grade. It just, you know, I just think that's really funny. And, and it's real indicative about how a lot of decisions seem to get made with our healthcare for some reason. Like, well, I don't yeah. know, the guy before me said it, you know, you know, and he, this is how they did it. Right. So, so you grab a pump. Uh, do you get the, you have a, and you also have a, I know you have a Dexcom CGM because I've seen your, gra a few of your graphs. So did you grab them at the same time or is that even more recent? No, we got the Dexcom first. We got that this summer, spring, I guess May, mm -hmm. we got the Dexcom and his A1Cs sort of were not coming down. And I think in February it was about 8.7. And then in May it went back up to nine. And I, I mean... I knew we weren't doing something right. So we got the Dexcom. A friend told us about it. We didn't hear about it from the hospital or anything. Right. Um, she was like, this is great. She has a young daughter. She was just diagnosed about the same time. So we got that. And that was a wake-up call. Um, the first time we put it on and I saw his sugar just after he ate, it just rocketed up. And then it just like dropped way back down. Um, when I had been doing my two hour meal check, he was fine. Yeah. So I had no idea this was happening between my two hour checks. Yeah. The hour and 59 minutes in between. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and how did that, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but you're, you have a specific reaction to this that I really, I, I appreciate. So how did that make you feel when you saw what was happening? It was scary. It was, it stressed me out. I mean, I felt like. It was totally out of control. Up to that point, I was like, okay, our numbers are decent. Um, but it it just felt like a weight on my shoulders. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to do with that. It, right. it just, 
I felt this stress all the time, like I'm not doing good enough. His numbers are out of control and I don't know how to fix it. And, and it, it's funny because here's where I see two really different schools of thought sometimes. And, and I completely understand both of them. So sometimes I see people say, my kid's blood sugar is all over the place. You know, there's these big spikes, but it does come back down. And then there's kind of this attitude like, well, there's not really much I can do about it. And then you see kind of the other school of thought, which is there has to be something I can do about this, but I don't know what it is and right. I need and I need to find out. So you and I meet online, basically. What would you say about maybe five weeks ago, like right around yeah. a little more than a month or around a month, yeah. something like that. And I am, I'm going to tell this embarrassing story. I'm sitting on the sofa with my wife watching Scandal. <laughs> And I'm trying to pretend that I don't like scandal. That's 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 how I roll right there. I'm like, this is stupid. And then I'm like, I wonder if Fitz and her are going to sleep together again. And so, um, and so I try to pretend that. I do admit that I'm happy that somebody seems to have told Kari Washington to stop quivering her lip every five seconds. That does seem to make me happier. Um, and I'm kind of bouncing back and forth on my iPad and looking at the internet and Kari's lips quivering and and in there i see you in kind of a, a private parenting type one um facebook page and you're just basically saying to people like look my kid has these insane spikes and i'm trying to figure out what to do you seem even in writing beyond flustered you seemed sad like like mm -hmm. that that's how it, it struck me and People were giving you advice, and some of it was good, and some of it I was like, I don't know if that's going to help her. And but but the way it comes in, you know, in a let's just say this: I'm really thrilled that the internet exists because it helps a ton of people. But I don't know if talking in a Facebook thread is the best way to figure out your <laughs> medical problem. And so and so it's tough because someone comes in and says something that makes a ton of sense. But maybe they're not a completely right that this is your situation. Maybe they're just spitballing. And you know, like, hey, try this, try that, which also kind of doesn't help you because you have to go live your life. You can't just, you know, it's not like you can quit your job and, you, you know, stop going food shopping and sit in the house and try everything. It's, you know, you need, you need a plan, I always think. Like, you have to have some sort of a plan. So I reached out to you, and I don't know how creepy this comes off on the internet, but I was <laughs> like, look, if you're willing to give me a call, I think in like 10 minutes we can stop these spikes um, from happening. And for some reason, probably out of desperation, you agreed and called my house. <laughs> and so I don't think we spoke more than about 10 minutes. And I tried to like oversimplify things for you and give you like a couple of basic steps to take that I thought would stop the spikes. And, and I've seen, I've seen graphs since then that look like that's worked. So, yeah. so why don't you, instead of me talking, why don't you tell me what did I, what did the man on, what did that creepy guy on the phone tell you? So before Bethany tells you what she and I spoke about on the phone that night and how things have gone since then, let's have an ad, shall we? All right. So listen, it's winter time. It's in full swing. There was just a giant storm here on the East Coast. You know, you were, you want to go out, you want to go skiing, you want to go sledding, you want your kids to play in the snow. Wouldn't you love to do all that without tubing and you know, without having to disconnect from a pump or without having to, you know, roll up a sleeve or pull up a jacket to give insulin at some point, you want a tubeless insulin pump. You want the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. It's obvious. All right, so let's not mess around. 
here's what you're getting with an Omnipod. You're getting continuous insulin delivery that you don't have to disconnect from. You're getting a tubeless system, absolutely no tubing to worry about getting tangled, no visible needles to worry about. Insertion is virtually painless, which means your child can just go back to being a kid. Now, the best way to understand Omnipod is to try it for yourself. So you can get a free demo kit, which includes a sample non-functioning pod by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo. But if you want to show some love for the Juicebox podcast, go into the show notes and click on the sponsor link there because then Insult will know you came from the Juicebox podcast. You can do that through your player or from juiceboxpodcast.com and go to this episode click on the link for Omnipod and, and they'll know you're uh, you're coming from here, which which helps the podcast. I would appreciate that. You get the demo pod, you see what you think. There's absolutely no obligation. Now, I mean, honestly, could it be simpler? Click, a couple of things you fill out. They send you the pod. It's a demo. You stick it on, you see what you think, and you make a decision. And come on, the holidays are gone now. It's time to stop thinking about other people. Start thinking about yourself again. Okay, let's get back to it and find out what creepy Scott said to Bethany on the phone. I think the two things that stood out to me were you asked if I pre-bolus, which I did, but I was doing it right before he ate. Um, what had been happening before is after he ate, he was low. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that if I pre-bolus any more than I was, that he would go even lower. It didn't make sense to me because why would I pre-bolus anymore when he's already going low after he eats, right, like right after he eats? So, I I just tried it. As you said, to pre-bolus, try, if he's low-ish, try 10 or 15 minutes. If he's high, try 20 or 30. And so, I tried that, and it, it worked. I couldn't believe that it didn't make him go low. For some reason, it was the combination between... The insulin hitting him and the carbs hitting him, I guess, right at the right time um, that made he didn't shoot up anymore, didn't drop down after he ate. Um, And the other two things I remember you saying, which were so helpful, when he was high, if it was between meals and he was very high, said, whatever you would bolus him right now to bring him down, add one unit. And always catch it with a juice box. Right. And I just, I remember, you know, I have this pump now. And we're, the pump we started in October. So we haven't had it super long. Yeah, sure. Still sort of trying to figure all the basal rates and that out. But I didn't realize how much I, I was so used to doing injections. That I didn't realize how much control really I have over these numbers. So I I was used to just between, you know, let's wait and see if it comes down or if it levels out or let's wait and see what happens. But it was just sort of a switch and I realized I I can do something right now. I don't have to wait 2 hours to see if it comes back down. And yeah. so I I did that. I started some insulin and I increased his basal rate. Um the other thing I did which I think I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, but the other thing I did was changed my high alert. I think I had it at something ridiculous. Like I can look if you want. It was Uh, really high. It was like three twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason I had it so high is because on injections and it went high. There wasn't really anything I could 
So I just was like, well, we'll turn that off. <laughs> let him be high because I don't want to get these alerts all the time. Um, and so I brought that down. I think I started at 250. Then I realized, hey, we're not even getting close to 250 anymore. So then I brought it down to about 200. And it, I, it just made me realize, okay, if I'm getting an alert that he's going high, he's starting to approach 200 or more, then we need to do something. We right. need to give him a bolus. And if it's the right amount, awesome. If it's too much, a juice, which he loves. <laughs> right. so. And, and so, yeah. So would you rather know there's a leaky pipe in your basement when there's a small puddle in the middle of the floor or when there's two feet of water? Exactly. Right, right. And so, and so, so you, I wish you could see the goofy grin I have on my face while you're talking about this because I'm just really thrilled for you um, because it's not, it's not something, it's not some big magic secret, right? Right. Like basically, basically I told you two things on the phone and, and the big ones that stuck with you was, you know, let this insulin be working while the food is working, not, not before or after don't have, you know, don't, don't let the food drive your blood sugar too. And, and I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but the, I mean, he's close to 400 in some of these graphs. Oh yeah. Right. And so, you know, so instead of the food instantaneously driving your blood sugar to 400 and then the insulin kicking in and dropping the blood sugar back down again, why don't we, and I always talk about it like that, like let's let the carbs and the insulin kind of have that fight at a blood sugar where you'd like it to stay when the fight's over. You know, let, let the carbs pull up and the insulin pull down at 90, right? right. And, and the reason you're not going low after that is because... <clears throat> you don't still have active insulin going when the carbs are done. And and that's where your lows coming from is still having, you know, back, back before is you had insulin happening and the food was gone. And so there was nothing to stop, you know, the insulin from dropping the blood sugar really low. So basically I, that's what I told you. And I think the other thing that I told you probably wasn't something that I said out loud, but it was probably just a feeling, which was just like, you know, confidence. You know, like, right. like just, oh, the, yeah. yeah, there's kind of the confidence to just look at what you're looking at, make sense of it, and then try something, not just, not just be like frightened all the time. And, right. and I, I think that's what I needed because, I mean, I had listened to a couple podcasts, especially, I love the bold with insulin. Oh, thank you. And I read, I, I listened to that and I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. But for some reason I never did it. I never... And I still can't figure out why. I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. But well, I never did anything about it. It's I, like I just needed someone to say, just do it. Well, <laughs> You'll be okay. Just do it. You probably didn't do it for the same reason that I did not ignore the chocolate chip cookies in my house yesterday that were left over <laughs> from Thanksgiving. Because probably. I literally remember Sunday night saying to myself, now, when you get up on Monday morning, let's have a cleanse. We'll run out and get a green juice, right? And we won't eat anything that we had for Thanksgiving. And uh, that's how it'll go. And then instead, I did some vacuuming. I threw some laundry in. I got hungry. And I was like, these cookies are right here. And I'm just going to end up throwing them away. And uh, then I ate four of them over the course oh, of the day. No. And so I, but I do think that's, you know, it's best intentions. It's also, you know, for you specifically, and I think diabetes related, it is. Did you, I don't know if you've listened to, um, resenting diabetes an earlier episode where where a, a mom talks about having just gotten accustomed to her son's blood sugar being about 200 
and then it just sort of seemed right all of a sudden, like normal. Like, you know, yeah. well, I, I tried to affect it. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is just how it is. And then some time passes and it becomes it becomes every day to you. And, and then all of a sudden it doesn't give you that feeling. But I, I loved what you said about the high threshold because I remember telling you to move the high threshold down um, on the Dexcom. Because, again, like, you know, the water in the basement. Like, when do you want to react? Right. You want to react... You know, would you rather react at 150 or 200 or 250? Mm-hmm. Like once once you're up there, now you're fighting with a high. And you know, everybody who listens to the podcast knows that I think it's much much easier to stop a low or falling blood sugar than it is to affect a high blood sugar. Right. So, so you actually helped. Okay, so the great success that you had with my overly simplistic advice, <laughs> which of course we know, and now's a good time to say it is not advice, medical or otherwise, and you should always consult a doctor before making changes to your medical plan. But after I saw what great success you had, um, I was contacted by a a mom just this past weekend um, who she just sent me a note and she was like, I don't know what to do about this and, you know, do you have any ideas and blah, blah, blah. And in the past, I would have, like, emailed back a thought. Instead, I was like, maybe it's not creepy to ask people to call you. And so I was in the car taking my dogs home from somewhere. And I was like, if you call me now, I think we could straighten this out in like 10 minutes. And so when I was speaking with her, um, it occurred to me to say it in a different way that now I wish I would have said to you, but you know, maybe it'll still be helpful in hindsight or to somebody else listening. never occurred to me to say it like this before. I think we always are on defense with diabetes. Like we wait to see what happens and then we react to it. Did the food make me go high? I'll give myself more insulin. Am I getting low? I guess I'll have to have some carbs. Um, You know, waiting to see what diabetes does to us and then trying to fix it. And I said to her, I'm like, you know what? Instead of being on defense like that, I'm like, why don't you go on offense? Like, why don't you do something to diabetes and see how it reacts? <laughs> you, you, you know, and it's overly simplistic advice. But as I was saying it, I was like, I might be a genius. And, and it's because, because I think that's what I do. And I didn't even realize that's what I'm doing. Like, I'm putting myself in the position to make a decision. And then I get to see the, you know, I get to see what happens after that decision's made instead of having something happen and having no idea how I got to that place right. and, and then having to fight my way back to it again. And then you get back to a steady graph line and you're only there for, I mean, how long before somebody eats again? You, you know, the, the freaking eating is constant oh. it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, a snack, yeah. you, you know? So, um, so that's, that's my mantra for this week is like, you know, get on offense. Don't, don't play defense with diabetes. Um, tell me how it's been going. Um, it's, I mean, it was amazing to me how it flattened out, which was great. And then I think I got a little too... <laughs> a little too ballsy? Um, he, he kept, he was very straight, but a little too low. And so I adjusted his baselet and it came up a little bit. So for a while I was on the lower end. And I think that's one of my, ugh, I have to watch that because I'm I'm a very competitive person. And so for me... His A1C, I'm like, we're getting this lower, and I have to find that the a good low and not always try to get lower because for me, like, oh yeah, as low as I can get it, that's better. But I know at some point it's not good for him to always be, you know, 
60, 70, yeah. 80, all yeah. the time. Right, right. And and I would tell you that you and here I'm not I'm not tongue in cheek at all. You really should talk to your endo about what is what is too low. Like I've settled my nurse practitioner I have settled on the idea that above seventy five is is okay. But under 75, we should start thinking that we're, we should try to affect the blood right. sugar a little bit. Um, and I, and I, and that's how, that's how I've been doing it. And I genuinely think you should talk to your doctor about what they think, yeah. because you're talking about making, you know, having effects on your brain when your blood sugar is too low. And that's not something that I'm comfortable even, you know, talking about in any way. Like I know what I'm talking about, Yeah. but, so. but at the same time, once you get that A1C to a spot where you're like, wow, it's six, you know, like how do people have A1Cs of five and a half? I think the difference between six and five and a half, if, if it's even necessary to have it at five and a half, I don't know. But I think the difference there is more about fluctuations than it is about your constant average blood sugar. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think at that point, if your blood sugar averages, I guess it's six. It's around 120 or 125. I'd have to look for certain, but, um, but you know, I mean, sure. Would it be better if it was more like 95? It absolutely would be. But, but I bet you could make that, you know, I bet just taking out the fluctuations are better. So, so you are now you're, you're pre-bolusing meals. How far out are you? Do you find yourself doing the pre-boluses? If he's lower than, Made our cutoff about 120. Mm-hmm. If he's lower than 120, we do about 10 to 15 minutes. If he's above like 120 to 160-ish, mm-hmm. probably do it about 20 to 30. And if he's high, which hasn't been too much of a problem, a couple of times he's gone high. If he's high, I'm talking over 250. We'll do it a good 30 minutes before to try to bring him down so that he's on his way down or low enough when he starts eating that it's not an issue anymore right yeah boy that really did make me happy to hear you say that that's fantastic <laughs> it really is fantastic because you were I I, I I I don't know how interesting it is to hear like somebody talk about this but I'm looking at a side by side graph that you sent me four days after we spoke and mm-hmm. at at I don't know. It looks like about one in the morning, his blood sugar is about 300. It takes till five or six to get back down under a hundred. Then you have it good till 9am. Then it jumps to three thirty, yeah. and then it's, then it only gets down to, you know, to two seventy five, where it stays for an hours for hours till it drops all the way down to 50 right. and then back up to two seventy five, and then down to a hundred. Like it literally, this would not even be a fun roller coaster. This almost no. looks like a family of giraffes living together. <laughs> and so, and then four days later, you send me a graph where he's never lower than 60 or higher than a hundred in, yep. tw- in 24 hours, just yeah. from pre-bolusing and thinking about the, the insulin a little differently. Right. And it was so easy. And I'm, I just still can't figure out why I didn't that before. Right. But, I mean, it, it's, it was anything hard me to do i just changed his ratios and his basil a little bit but oh my goodness the the stress that is gone now i think i'm gonna live longer too (laughs) it just it i was i was in desperation when just spiking i felt at a loss and now i don't really worry about it as much anymore and i don't i don't feel the need to constantly 
worry if he's high because I'm fairly confident in our levels, you know, mm-hmm. for today, but every day is different. Yeah. And it's going to change as you go forward. But right. now, but now you have the confidence and the, and the kind of the knowledge to just change along with it. And, and, you know, it's funny, like Arden just had her, her, um, her endo appointment a, a couple of weeks ago now. And it even hit me while the nurse practitioner had her pump in her hand because I don't download the pump. She just kind of goes through it. And, and she's like, oh, good, you know, your, your basal rates are higher now. Um, you know, they're up from the last time I saw you three months ago. And, Bethany, I'm telling you, I don't – I mean, if you, if you pinned me down and said, when did you adjust Arden's basal rates over the last three months? Like, I don't know. You, you yeah. know, like, like three months later, I have no idea. I can tell you that probably I experienced high blood sugars for more than three days I could see a pattern in it, and I was like, "Well, I'm not letting this happen anymore." Right. And I don't want to just, I, you know, I don't want to be bolusing for these all the time. So this must yeah. be a basal issue. And then I bumped it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you stop and look back over that. You know, there was a time that feels like not so long ago that you know Arden's basal needs were like eight units a day, and now they're more like thirty. But yeah. I, I couldn't tell you when I made those adjustments. Like I right. just did them on the fly as things were going on. Mm-hmm. And so that seems like where you're at now. Yeah. And the other thing I remember that you said was after I after he ate and I was having to give him all these bolus corrections, so I'd take those corrections and add it to his carb ratio, which totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that that I felt like was more concrete. I teach math, and right. so I like when things are black and white. So when he was first diagnosed, I was like, this is great. It's like a logic puzzle. And once I figure it out, I'll have all the answers, and then we'll be good to go. And a year later, you're on Facebook, and someone <laughs> yeah. please help me. I, I can't even watch Scandal. I know. So, <laughs> that, But that helped me. It was more concrete. To be like, okay, if I'm having to do two corrections, then I need to take some of that and add it to my initial list when mm-hmm. he's eating. And that made sense to me that, I mean, it's not like I'm totally guessing, oh, we'll just up this to here. So I wish, um, I wish you could be in the house where I'm like yelling across the room, another unit. (laughs) And my, my Kelly's like, based on what I'm like, yeah, she needs another unit. I'm telling you. And so, I mean, the math of it is just almost gone at this point for me. You you know, it really is. I, you know, I wish you could have saw me counting her carbs for her lunch today when I was packing her lunch. I was just like, eh, Eh. 25, 37, it's probably around 70. And, you know, (laughs) but, but moreover, what I'm going to do at lunchtime is I'm going to use how much insulin yesterday took, you know, because she kind of takes not the same exact things, but it's, it's usually about the same amount of carbs and about the same mix of, you know, um, something snacky and something more tangible and fruit and, you know, a vegetable, like, like this whole thing, it's going to be around 70 carbs. It's going to need about six and a half units for art. Now, please, you know, that's not for anybody else. You know, 70 carbs for you is way different than 70 carbs for somebody else. But I know for Arden that today her, her insulin needs at lunch are going to be about six and a half units. And, and that's not based on the carbs. It's based on what happened yesterday. It's based on my feeling, you, you know, that that's sort of how it goes. And, and once you can get into that space, you know, I think then, right. then you're, then you're really doing it. I mean, I, I haven't posted it yet. Actually, Bethany, you're probably one of my last interviews before Christmas. I have like eight or nine 
podcast banked right now. (laughs) And so, yeah, because, because I have something I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to add something to the podcast. I need time to do so I can't actually do the interviews while I'm doing it. But so I've been banking all of them and based on listeners, um, requests, I talked to uh, Dr. Stephen Ponder, who wrote a book called Sugar Surfing. Yeah, I've read it. Have you? Okay. When I got on the on the podcast with him, I was like, hey, this doctor guy figured out what I've been doing for a long time. (laughs) And then I was like, good for him. And 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 great for him. And no joking, like it's it's just interesting that no one ever said it to me like that. And when he and I started talking, I was like, I was like, this is what I do. And he's like, this is what you do. And I was like, yay. And so you know, so so now you've read that book. Now tell me, this is interesting. What's the difference between you having read that book and talking to me? What 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 didn't happen for you when you read the book that happened when you were like literally speaking with another human being? I think after I read the book, it all made sense to me and I thought, ah, this this is what I'm going to do. I at that point, part of me was a little hesitant to totally rely on my Dexcom mm-hmm. because I say my Dexcom. I feel like it's my Dexcom. Please, I call Arden's endo my my doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> um, it, it was not super accurate and I did, couldn't really trust it. So when, after I read the book, I felt like I couldn't totally do that because it was always so off. But there were a few things in the book some suggestions on how to make it more accurate. And I started doing that. Um, It was making sure his hands are actually washed, not Mm. just using alcohol, only calibrating when it's in range and when it's straight across, which I knew these things and I was doing them for the most part. Right. Sometimes I would be like, well, I just need to calibrate it right now. So I'll just do it anyway. Right. And when I started doing that, it was unbelievable how much, helpful it was when it was accurate yeah and yes after i read the book i made those changes and then i just guess i didn't quite have the confidence to do much or i was just confused about well hey i see him going high between meals but is that the basil or is that the bolus is that you know which one do i need to change mm-hmm. So I, I think it was just that I didn't quite have, I needed someone, like an actual person to just push me and be like, just try it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It really ends up being, I, I think it's the one sentence that a doctor is not going to speak to you, which is like, go oh, just, you know, roll the dice and right. if it doesn't work out, we'll change it. And, you know, and, and, and that really is, that ends up being how people figure out this stuff, which is just, you know, this isn't working. I wonder what this will do. Well, that didn't work. I wonder what this will do. And, right. and you know, because, and, but it's such a big leap to make when you're scared that every decision you make, because honestly, what, what's the fear, right? I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. and so have, you know, it's been a month or so. Have you come close to killing him? No. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not going from two units to 20 units. You're going from right. two units to two and a half or to three. And, in right. and, and, and here's the question I have for you that I think I don't know the answer to, but I, I think I, I feel like I know how you're going to answer. Before we spoke, what did you consider a low blood sugar? And what do you consider a low blood sugar now? Well, the endo told me 80. Okay. So I just went with that. Um, and under 80, they said 15 grams of carbs. Ah. And I was doing that. But now when he's in the 
70s, I don't... Now, my husband gets a little more panicky than me, but I... 70s, the wild child husband is panicked by a 75 blood <laughs> yeah, sugar, is exactly, he? Exactly. Someone's growing up. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, if he's in the 70s, instead of giving him a which would make him high up to 100, right. we'll just do more of like a protein or a little milk. But not 15 grams because that was way too much at 70. And they they said if he's under 80, give him a juice box. Um, Isn't that such an odd? Now that you now that you're thinking about it differently, doesn't that almost snap to you as like as like bad advice? It is. Yeah. Right. If your if your blood sugar is five points away from being perfect, drink 20 or drink 20 carbs of fast acting sugar. (laughs) Exactly. It didn't make sense. So we're we're still sort of in that. Trial and error with okay, so how how high? And this I sort of got from sugar surfing too. Is if if you do five grams of carbs, like let's say milk, how mm-hmm. high is that making you? So that you can figure out if I'm ten below what I should be, I might need a half cup of milk. But if I'm five below, I might only need a quarter cup of milk. Right. Yeah. The one thing that Doctor Ponder talked about a lot while we were talking that I was just not that I wasn't behind what he was saying almost completely, but. But the one thing that really resonated with me because it's all it's really a big part of how I do things is just the concept of bumping the blood sugar, right. just nudging it, not yeah. not sending it off in a mm-hmm. direction. You, you know, and 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 the other thing I, I talked about with him is, you know, I said, look, if Arding ever gets really high, you know, I, I try to get her down as quickly as I can. And um and he was like, Yeah, I can't I you know I completely agree. So, but that idea of, you know, just those low blood sugars, just bumping them, nudging them. Like, you know, last, last night, Arden's blood sugar was, it was kind of tough after dinner. And by tough, I just mean like, I couldn't kind of budget from like the 150, 160 range. And after having given her enough insulin three times to move it and it, and it was just drifting down and I knew the pump site was okay. and, And, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. I was like, oh, she's going to get low after she goes to sleep. Like, I know she is. <laughs> so sure enough, she goes to bed and her blood sugar is like 95. And, you know, there's this moment in your head where you're like, this is such a win. 95 is great. Yeah, perfect. And then, and but then the other voice is like, this isn't going to last, you know? So, <laughs> and so I sat down trying to get something accomplished and, um, you know, then it was 80 and then you know it's that diagonal down where it didn't really move that much the number but i was like oh it's not gonna stop and so finally at like i think 70 i went upstairs and i um you know it's so funny she said the cutest thing she has a little side table lamp but it has uh-huh. a, a it has like a blue light in it she hardly ever uses it but she turns it on and it, it like it makes her fingernails glow and stuff like that i think she gets a kick out of it sometimes <laughs> so I, it's neat when I go in there sometimes because I can turn it on. It's not this bright light that wakes right. her up, but I can still see better. So I, I, I turned it on, and I, um, I tested her blood sugar, and uh, just to double check on the CGM, and I, and I got the juice ready, and I, I put it near her mouth, and I was like, Arden, I need you to drink just you know half of this juice, and she's drinking it in her sleep, and I don't know what happened. I, she hadn't been asleep that long, and she kind of sort of woke up for a, like a split second, and she said. The light tickles my eyes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's adorable. Oh. And even she thought it was funny in her sleep, and she started giggling. And then I mentioned it to her this morning before you and I talked, and she was like, I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> said, you're making that up. Yeah, I said, well, it was adorable. Um, but but nevertheless, so she drinks half the juice, which should have worked. 
in most situations it would have been enough. But I just kept thinking, like, there's all those little boluses to try to push that 160 earlier in the evening. They're coming back to roost now. Like, I know they are. Like, her blood sugar wasn't moving because the food, you know, something she ate for dinner was sticking with her. And now it's gone, and this insulin's still on the tail end of itself. Like, I know this is what this is. And so I tried really hard to wait, but then I ended up going back up, um, having her finish the juice box, adjusting basal rates, like, stuff like that. Um, and I did finally get it to kind of level out at like 95, but, but it was one of those situations where I think, you know, 70 diagonal down that wasn't kind of stopping. Like that's sometimes where people would pile on like in a panic, you, you know, like, Oh my God, more food, more, more juice. And I'm just like, try a half of this. And if you have to stay at 65 for 10 minutes for me to know that this wasn't enough, it is much better than you eating the kitchen and ending up at 300. You know, because are you going to have the nerve, you know, if, if I were to give Arden 50 carbs of food and, you know, at that moment, I would need to bolus for it. it. Like right then and there, even though she's 65, if I gave her 50 carbs, I'd probably bolus like 40. And, and I don't know that that's something a lot of, a leap, a lot of people can make. And then that's where you end up high and low and high and low all night long. Mm-hmm. So, well, Bethany, I don't know if you have anything else to say, um, because if you do, I definitely want to hear it, but. Even though this is a little shorter than than most of the episodes go by a couple of minutes, this is exactly what I was hoping you would come on and talk about. So I think it has gone really well. And I know you have small children in the house who you've probably locked in the closet so you could do this (laughs) podcast. No, Grandma's here. We're good. Oh, oh, cool. That's excellent. So you and I are not that far from each other, right? You're in Virginia? Right. And I'm in New Jersey. and, And we are now internet friends and podcast friends. Oh. Um, And so tell me... I will ask this at the end, right? How creepy did it seem to have someone say, call me? And did you only do it because of desperation? Like in a different situation, would you have been like, I'm going to unfriend you now and block you? (laughs) Or is the internet changed so much that it didn't seem that odd to you? No, it's a little creepy. Yeah, it was creepy, right? No, actually, if I, if, if I hadn't listened to the podcast and didn't know that you knew what you were talking about, I don't think I would have called no, of course not. You would have been like, oh, right. my God, I no. <laughs> Who is this person? Listen, in a world where someone tried to pick my wife up on words with friends based on an avatar oh. once, I would oh, agree no. with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so that, that really is kind of what I wanted to get to, which is what you didn't just randomly like, oh, there's a stranger who wants to talk to me on the phone. Like you had a, cool. yeah. Yeah, you had a basis in reality for what you were doing. And so right. – and a little desperation. And a, a little, lot of desperation, just too. Just enough desperation. Just enough desperation and familiarity to go, I'm going to make a really bad decision right now. Right. <laughs> it was good. And everything is oh much better now. Cool. So. Well, because I can't and uh, and probably don't have the time to, even though I did, to talk to anybody and everybody who has this feeling. And not that I feel like I could fix everybody's issue, right. but... But I just, that's why I wanted you to come on and do this because if people find themselves in this situation and it seems reminiscent of what you're talking about, I hope that they can kind of use this as a proxy for a creepy phone call and, uh, and, and maybe kind of find the nerve to, to be a little, you know, bolder with the insulin and, and, and try to pre us a little out in the future. Because you said something so it was innocuous in the beginning of the, of the podcast and, um, I wanted to touch on it, but you were you were telling your story. But you said, I said, you know, how are you pre-bolusing now? And you said, well, I was pre-bolusing before, 
But what you meant by that was you were giving insulin and then he was eating immediately. Right. Which, of course, is not... And I don't think they ever... I don't think at the hospital they ever told me differently. I don't... They... That's what we did in the hospital. We would give him his shot and then he would eat. So I never really knew differently until I sort of did my own research and... Yeah. Looked things up on my own. So, I I mean... I guess I'm really interested... I'm really interested to, to... kind of imagine in my mind's eye now you going back to your next endo appointment and not punching someone in the head and going how come no one told me this but 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 at the same time i'm interested to hear what you what you get back from them like when you say to them look i trained you know i went from the 14 second pre-bolus that you indicated was important and i went to 15 and 20 minutes and can you see the difference and why did you not tell me this yeah and i hope they they start telling people that i I met with a group of local type ones here a couple weeks ago, and it was unbelievable to me how many people had never heard of a Dexcom or right. nev- were on a pump years later. Or there's so much stuff people are missing, and they're not. No one's telling them. So if you don't go out and look for it yourself, they're just sort of stuck in a rut. There right. was actually a family there who was at the hospital with us, and we got educated with them. Um, so they, we saw them, we talked, you know, how are things going? And they are still exactly where they were when we were in the hospital. They're still doing injections. They had never heard of a Dexcom. And they go to the same endo we do. And it's it's sad that it's all this technology and people don't know about it because the endos aren't telling them. So unless you do your research yourself or hear it from someone else... You're just kind of stuck in a rut. It is a, it is a real oddity, isn't it? You know, it like is. like it's it, it's it's kind of I don't know I don't know you know one one disease from the next, but you know it's in my mind I feel like it's akin to like having cancer and going home and getting worse and worse and coming back and seeing the doctor and the doctor being like, well, I don't know, this is what's happening, and <laughs> and then you come back again and you go, hey, I was online, I read about this thing called I don't know chemotherapy, should I try that? Yeah. And the doctor's like, oh, if you want to, sure. It, 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 you know, well, you like, have like, to wait a year. So yeah, you understand wait till you really understand your cancer before yeah. we try to get you know to make you better. And it just it, it's that that kind of concept that it's so strange how diabetes is even among your healthcare professionals. You know, we talk about in the in the community all the time how we wish other people would see how serious it is, and it, and then we it's possible that our doctors don't even see how serious it is because right. because they're like, oh, what's your A one C is nine? You're doing your best, uh-huh. like like I'm like well, okay, like I and I get the psychological side of it where you you don't want to put people in a tailspin panic, but. What about somebody like you who was feeling the you talked about it, the immense pressure and the stress of, right. of, of, of these, you know, of these blood sugars that you knew weren't, you know, what they should be or what they could be, but you didn't have the tools to get to it. And then you go back to the endo and the endo's like, Don't worry, we're doing our best here. Yeah. You, you know, like, well, it turns out we're not even doing like close to our best. You know, and and that is really, like you said, it's sad to think that I didn't say anything all that special to you. you you know what i mean like it, the difference between multiple 350 blood sugars a day and a blood sugar that doesn't go over 110 shouldn't be the simplistic stuff that i told you you, you know what i mean like if if that's right. the difference it should be it should be something amazing and major and yeah. you know that should take a decade to learn not 
not hey try giving right. your insulin 15 minutes more before <laughs> before you eat and you know don't 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 settle for a high blood sugar and and go ahead and you know you know lean on that dexcom a little bit and 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 you know help yourself from from getting away from falls and and stuff like that it should it should be it should, i mean what i'm trying to say is i, I didn't say anything that mind shattering to you. you you know what i mean and that that yeah. sucks it sucks that no one did that before but i'm really happy that you found out and that it's working so well for you and will and that you were a, you know willing to come on here and tell other people about it because i think I can write about this stuff on the blog as much as I want, but I definitely think there's something to hearing someone say it that, that there is. Yeah, yeah, I think the confidence is easier to take. And and you 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 pointed it out earlier by saying that you listened to me talk in an episode called Bold with Insulin, but it was just me talking. Like it was a talking head episode. It was just me talking. It wasn't another person on the other end saying, you know what, I tried that and it worked. So I think you are uh, you are now de facto creepy podcast lady for a lot of other people. Yeah, good. <laughs> but I can be. Good for you, Bethany. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate no it. I, I really want to wish you a little like continued luck with it and, and tell your husband he can relax a little bit. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so very much, Red, for doing this. And I appreciate you taking the time. Yep. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks once again to Insulate, the makers of Omnipod, for sponsoring this episode. Please click on the link in the show notes to try a demo pod and support the Juicebox podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes because it really does help. And let's say next week's episode is going to be Dr. Stephen Ponder. He is the author of Sugar Surfing. Um, find me on the, uh, the uh, internets at Arden's Day and at Juicebox Podcast. For now, that's it. Thanks so much.